everybody. Welcome to Busy Living Sofa. Busy Living Sofa. I'm really excited for today because I have a guest and his name's Christian and he's pretty awesome. And I have to say that I met him in one of my 12-step groups and um, he's somebody that I admire because he's young and he's doing this and he's sober and he's got he's living the best life he can do and um he's had some trials and tribulations that have gone through but he's made it and he stayed sober and um welcome christian hey how's it going it's going well tell us about your story what it was like what it's like now and what you're doing and your new thing that you've developed because i think everybody's gonna be really excited about it so tell us about your story <laughs> so what it was like um i grew up in media pennsylvania um very normal childhood i was adopted um before I was one, I was adopted from Chile and moved to the United States. Um, my parents were, grew up in the area. They're both from here. Um, and so, I, I like, sports were a huge part of me growing up, something I always enjoyed. School was just kind of something I had to do. And, and um, I enjoyed learning but never enjoyed school. So that was always a good argument with my parents. Um, and... Um, but sports, like, allowed me to get, like, decent enough grades to, like, keep moving forward. Um, I went to Albright College for lacrosse, and I really, I think it's funny because I still, like, say, yeah, like, yeah, I went there for lacrosse, <laughs> not, yeah, I went to La uh, Albright, and, and I played lacrosse, but <laughs> um, that's neither here nor there. Um, so in high school, like, partied like a real tiny bit maybe like once a month or so and like smoked some weed which was it was cool for the time um and never got into any trouble I, I have a great friend group that like I'm still friends like best friends with everyone that I was friends with back in high school and even some of them from elementary school and middle school um I, I had everything I could have asked for and like a lot a lot more I never had to worry about a meal or anything um and then, so I, I went to Albright after, lasted a semester there, and uh, went to an IOP program just because, like, I, the partying just got a little too much and I needed a break, and, uh, or the school thought I needed a break, I thought I was okay. Um, so I, I decided to do that, and I got back into school after I, I did that. I told my counselor to let me out in time for a music festival. And like continue doing what I was doing, and like I was able to do it without like any like serious like legal consequences or anything for a while. Um, and this continued to go on throughout school, where I'd be okay for about like a year or a semester, and then something else would pop back up. I'd get kicked out, and then I'd say like, "Hey, like um, this time, like I have a plan now. Like I'm going to do this, this, and this, and like everything will be fine." Um, and that it worked for like a little bit but it ne was never anything I could like sustain and like I didn't feel good about doing it um and eventually I, I ended up again like got into a depressive like fit where like I didn't go to class for a month or so I couldn't leave bed um smoking weed every day because I knew I couldn't drink anymore um that's when I was first introduced to AA I sponsored myself <laughs> oh I've said it again it's uh, okay yeah. it's okay <laughs> Um, went to a 12-step program, sponsored myself, and uh, it didn't work out too well. <laughs> um, again, like, was able to get these brief moments of, like, six months of, like, clean time, and then, like, after that, like, I wouldn't, um, 
I'd go back to like saying like, oh, maybe I can, I can get away with just one. And, um, this time after, after being in this 12 step program, I, I like when something like happened that I couldn't, I couldn't handle on my own. And like, I was still left to my own devices and I couldn't, um, I couldn't get through, through life. I thought, and like, I, I guess I, I turned to alcohol and like, I honestly kind of feel like it might've saved me. Cause like I, I was really depressed and like, wasn't, I need to turn my brain off. Um, so I went out for about like a month or two and it, it developed really quick where it's like blacked out for like every night for like a week or so. And, or I didn't black out. That was the thing. I, I'd get really drunk and like, um, not black out. And I thought that I'd be, a, I'd be fine. And then like the following week I was like, all right, like I only drink after work. And like that, I, I did that successfully for just like just the week and then the weekend came and like that's when like I started drinking during the day and went on a, a like a bender for that the remaining time period and I was drinking before work during work after work um and I was fully functional to the point where like I would be at the top of the call list at work at the job I was working at and like just so that if anyone ever said anything to me I could be like look like I'm I'm living my life like fine like this is going well I, I can drink here. <laughs> Luckily, no one ever ever said anything to me. Um, and then I, it came to a point where like I, um, I was taken to to a group therapy with my parents and my my therapist, and they they sat me down and looked at me. I guess it was pretty much an intervention. They're like, my therapist looked at my parents. He's like, so we're we're sticking with the plan, right? And at that point, I was like, what what do you mean? There's a plan? And they, but he's like you're uh you're you're going to rehab <laughs> I was just like and like I felt so relieved I was so bummed but so relieved I was just like I've made it like <laughs> I finally convinced myself I'm a full-blown alcoholic um and I, I knew I was going to be able to get help and that I wasn't going to have to live the life I was living anymore um I knew I was going to be able to like find happiness because I've seen it in the in like the program I was working before and like I didn't believe it necessarily because everyone was too cheery <laughs> and me being like miserable I was like I don't like you you happy people um one of you guys is drinking I know it <laughs> um but I I went th I went to rehab and then I went from there to a sober living house and lived there for a while a little less than a year and um kept up with my program and, and now my life's my life's amazing I was I was pretty like depressed in early sobriety probably for at least like half a year where I didn't I, I couldn't find happiness in anything but like I just kept doing what everyone was telling me to do because they were all better than like my own thoughts and like today like I don't really have that many bad days which is it's insane <laughs> it's so awesome okay so how much time do you have now I actually have 14 months, two days. See, God works in mysterious yeah. ways. So I want to back up the bus because I'm sure that there's like probably young people listening. There's parents that are going to be probably be listening to this podcast. And my first question is, so you got introduced to alcohol for the first time. How old were you? Probably like 14. Well, I would have like sips of like my parents' drinks like here and there when I was younger but like the first time like I was with like friends and stuff was like probably like 14. And did you maybe. love it then? 
it was like meh I didn't have like enough to get like drunk or anything so I was just kind of like well let's try this again later and like see if we can get drunk when we can like steal some more alcohol so you were and you were really engaged in your sport so you like and you were a team and I know you mentioned to me earlier like you were the captain of your high school team and so when you were younger you must have obviously have been like a stellar player you were always a practice you were like like they probably loved you yeah, like, I don't, in middle school, like, I, I was, um, I was definitely chubby and, like, not, not in the best shape, and I'd come home crying every day for, like, to my mom, and be like, mom, like, my coach won't play me, like, this is some BS, like, and she was like, what do you want me to do? I'm not your coach. Go ask him why you're not playing, and that was, like, the best lesson I ever learned. Cause, really? Like, it was a super sarcastic guy. I didn't know how to handle sarcasm back then. I took it, su- like, really personally, and I, I was super, I was afraid, I was really feared up. And, like, finally, like, I was just like, hey, like, what can I do so I can get some playing time? And he told me, he's like, you have everything. You just need to be faster. And, like, after that, like, I started running kind of addictively, but, like, I started running. And um, I just carried that message to on, like, throughout, like, my whole sports career of, like, going up to my coaches and being like, what do I need to do better? Like, how can I um, get more playing time? How can I do this or that? And, like, they always help me. And it was crazy. <laughs> crazy thought like you ask for help and someone helps you (laughs) and so you're a role model to everybody else on your team especially if they picked you as a captain because that's like i mean how many kids were on your team uh i'm not sure probably like 20 to like 30 probably for the cross um and i don't know like i just high school is weird like (laughs) i'm not sure i just kind of went out there and like tried to do my thing and like just try to help other people out. I always like, it's funny looking back on it now, I always wanted to be the man off the field as I was on the field, but could never do that. Mm, isn't that interesting? Yeah, now I can. And it's interesting that you actually made it through high school without really getting in any trouble. Oh, uh, yeah. Even though you were bummed, <laughs> and were, would you say you were depressed in high school or not so much because you were so busy? <laughs> I think I was, I was probably like, um, I don't know, like, not, like, clinically depressed, but, like, I had bouts of depression. Um, again, coming back to, like, me being adopted. Um, tremendous, like, guilt that was related with that that I didn't know was a thing until I got into college and was able to kind of, like, develop my own thoughts on stuff and, like, speak what I was really feeling. Because, like, back then, like, it was just, um, it was just, like, me feeling some type of way I've always felt and like never having a like a voice for it or like being able to put words to it and it's just like all right like I feel this way it'll pass eventually I don't know when but like I just gotta isolate until it does (laughs) and it like never worked out and it's interesting because when you were at home in your like living in your parents house and it was like the option to drink obviously is not there a lot when you're in high school and especially if you're playing sports and you're you know you've got a responsibility every morning and you've got these people that are looking up to you and you get into this college and they're like you get to play lacrosse which is a huge accomplishment by the way congratulations because i know a lot of kids that would have loved to have played you know college ball and they never ever could right they were never good enough i mean think about how many kids try to get the spot you got and never ever could get it and then you get there so your mom and dad drop you off at school they're like all right you're you're gonna go and it's fall ball you probably got left off earlier than other kids right um we yeah like 
for fall ball, we just came at the regular time, but it's like we were still like practicing and stuff and doing like scrimmages and, and had like 16 practices or something to fall. Oh my gosh. And so did you have a roommate that was also an athlete or was your roommate just a Yeah, roommate? I always lived with like lacrosse players. The one year I lived with a football player. Um, but. but do you feel like that freshman year, again, so the moms that are out there and they're like, they have children that are going off to school and they're like, okay, how, like, it sounds like Christian had a pretty yeah. normal upbringing up until he goes off to college and your mom and dad leave you at this room your freshman year and they're like, they set up your dorm. It looks all cute. You've got this lacrosse player roommate. And is that when, I mean, did somebody just say, do you want to go to a party? I mean, how did the drinking even begin? Because you, again, still had that responsibility yeah. of playing, but school wasn't, I guess. I mean, you didn't have the, I mean, those parameters around you where you were like, oh my gosh, I have to be up at this time. What do you think it was? I was still like, I, I think I instantly turned like alcoholic. Like I, we were drinking four days a week, um. We made sure because like I had people with me that drank the same way as me but could do it like successfully. Um, make sure we like after class every day for the first like week or two, like if we did go to class, like make sure that like we got our homework and stuff done ahead of time so that we could drink right at like five and like go through the night and like make sure we got like our lifts in and everything and like um it was like really aggressive like it I, I really like started getting after it and like that was like the first time like I, I started blacking out really um and it was really frequent and I didn't I thought it was funny my friends around me thought it was funny <laughs> um but like honestly it was like pretty scary waking up the next day like uh, most of the time I didn't have a phone because like I'd lose it or I'd break it um I lost my wallet a good amount of times. I went through so many student ID cards. Um, my parents weren't happy about that or the phones. Um, but it was cool because, like, I found people that, like, drank like me. Now, later on, like, they started prioritizing school more where I stayed behind and was kept, like, drinking and, like, saying, like, playing video games or something instead of, like, doing my homework and, like, I'm not, it was just like, it was frustrating because I couldn't get it the way they could. And like, I couldn't find that nice balance. And like, if something went wrong the day before and like I spent like the day in bed the following day, like I wanted to be included. I wanted to go drink the next, the next day. And like, even when I per like personally didn't want to, like I physically was like, all right, let's go. Like stop being a baby, you can go out, you'll be fine. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I totally relate. I totally relate because it was like the Mecca, right? Yeah. And it's that disease that they talk about in our 12-step meetings that we go to. It's that, that's that like crossover. Like yeah. it's when the brain just goes, you know what? I want more, I want more. And as much as you say to yourself, I'm not going to do it tonight. And then you wake up the next day and you're like, oh my God, I just did it again. Yeah. And you're like, how did that just happen? It's horrible. It's just, it's so horrible how it just takes, it takes over, right? And did you feel like, and none of your friends you felt like were having that same, I mean, did you have anybody that you were like, oh my gosh, he's got the same gig that I do? Some of them, but like they'd like leave, they left school and like didn't come back. And I was saying like, since I'm still coming back, I'm still putting forth the effort, like I'm okay. And like, kind of like, honestly thought like more of myself for it, even though like they were like actually going home and like taking a break and figuring out what to do with school the appropriate way. I was like, well, like, I'm committed, I'm loyal, like, to, like, my friends here, the school here, my coach here, like, I'm going to keep trying to come back. Um, 
and I would, but like never like a hundred percent. And did you still get playing time? Um, I didn't get playing time until a little bit later. Um, I definitely had to work for it and earn it. And like, unfortunately, like some people got injured, but like I took full advantage of that. And like, I just needed one opportunity during the game to be like, to show and be like, I can, I can ball. Um, and after that, like, I, it was like, I feel like I, I pretty much got like the, like playing time that I, I enjoyed and was like comfortable with. And then like, but I also, like, I got suspended for, like, five games because of, like, actions that happened off the field that, like, um, I'm lucky I didn't get arrested for or anything, and, like, I don't have a record, but, like, because of, like, stuff I did while I was drunk off the field, like, I, I had to miss, like, a, a third of a season. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So, like, that, it takes over, right? Yeah. Like, that, it's, like, a, a second that you go from being, like, a total, like, I don't want to say normal, because I don't know what yeah. normal is to me. Like, normal is, like, a slice of Wonder Bread, and it's got nothing going on. But to think that you graduate from high school, you got recruited to play in college, you're on your way to play lacrosse in college, or have this great life. You've never really gotten in any trouble in your entire life. You've, got, you've gone to parties, but nothing that's pushed you over the edge. And you get to college, and there's no... It it's like everybody's partying. I'm ready to party. I get introduced to alcohol again. Everybody's drinking, and now I am off to the races, and I have found Mecca. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it really was. It was like the perfect place for me. It was perfect, right? It's yeah. a perfect place for a lot of kids. And I mean, fortunately for you, your parents kind of had a little like, okay, what's going on with you, yeah. Christian? We aren't really psyched. We see that your grades are slipping. You're not playing. We've driven all the way up here to watch you play, and you're not even in the game. Yeah. Like, what's going on? That was, like, one of the most, like, really frustrating things that, like, is to tell my parents, like, hey, I slipped up, like, when I was drinking and, like, I, I did something pretty bad and I'm not happy about and, like, you guys raised me better than to, to be acting this way and, like, I don't know why, but I can't, I don't know why that would happen based off the upbringing you guys gave me, like, why I'd ever act that way. Um, and then to, like, have, like, I, I'm pretty sure it was more so my dad would like come up because my mom's like if you're not playing like I'm not coming up but like my dad would come up and like um just have to sit like I appreciated him coming out and supporting my friends and like still like showing up but like I was so disappointed that like he had to sit there and watch because of like my actions um I don't know it was really frustrating and like I, I don't know like I just like now it's, like, funny because I just think, like, I, I did so much weird, like, goofy, bad stuff that, like, I'm lucky, like, I even got to stay on the team. And you think about it, it's, um, you know, I've been hearing a lot lately, and I'll get into this in a different podcast, but, you know, I've been hearing a lot about love, right? Un unconditional love. Just love yeah. is the answer, right? You just love. And it sounds like, even though your, mo your mom was probably really disappointed, couldn't handle it, but your like, you had that love from your dad that was just like, no matter what, yeah. he'd come, he'd sit, he'd watch, and you'd be like, okay, thanks, dad. I mean, like, at least he was there. And you knew that, okay, I, at least my family loves me. Yeah. I have that. Which is like a huge thing to fall back on instead yeah. of like being like, okay, I know my mom's disappointed, but at least I have my dad yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> he's not as loud as my mom, but he's yeah. here, right? Yeah, it's funny. Like my parents, like you can both see like the environments that they grew up in. Like my mom's like a Darby girl, um, <laughs> and, like gives me the tough love, and like my dad like grew up in like Gladwin, I think it was, <laughs> and like he's just like, oh, like he's okay, like he'll like get it this time, type type deal but it's funny to see them like do the good cop bad cop thing and I, I ever since I was little I knew how to play them on on their cards like 
all right, if you guys want to play the good cop, bad cop, like, I'll play into your hand type deal. And that's another very alcoholic trait that I had that I exploited, like, ever since I was young and didn't even recognize I was I was doing that. Well, manipulation, right? Yeah. It's manipulation. And we have no idea when we're kids. We, But I was the same way. I knew who I could get one. Th- if this one said no, I could definitely get this one to say yes if I did this other thing, right? Yeah. If I did this or did that. And it's interesting. And when we are when we find out that, oh my gosh, I have this disease that makes me just, I am just not following any rules. Yeah. I am like a bull in a china shop. I just want what I want, right? Yeah. And now here you are, and so your parents were like, let's go to rehab, and they get you, they ambush you at your therapist's office and say, oh my gosh, you're going to, you're, we're going to send him away now, and but you went willing. Yeah, I knew, like, he, they asked me, they're like, do you want to go home and get your clothes? And I was just like, no, because if, if I do that, I'm going to, I will talk you guys out of it. I thoroughly believe that, or, like, I'll go find something else. Like, I know I'm very dependent, but, like, I, like... This is my shot. I'm taking it while it's there. I can get clothes later. I don't have anyone to dress up for there. <laughs> and so you went right from there. Yeah. And how long did you stay? Uh, full stay is like 28 days, I think. It's almost a month. So, and were, you, and were you willing while you were there? Or were you like someone that was, and when you would, I know that there's groups there. And were you like, I'm going to get, were you engaged? Or were you like, oh my God, this is hell. What am I doing here? At first, I was kind of like, this is hell, because I was miserable, and I was in the young adult program as, like, a 23-year-old, and I always, like, I do, like, I felt like I was more mature than I was for my age, and, like, I guess part of that true was never, again, never able to, like, act on it, um, but, like, once I was there, I knew, like, what I had to do, and, like, was like, alright, well, I can make this, like, a whole miserable experience where I can start helping other people, and, like, help them get through stuff because like either way like if I don't do that I'm just gonna be sitting in an institution with my own thoughts and that's just as dangerous as me sitting in my bedroom with my own thoughts so you stayed and you didn't complain to your parents to come get you at all no no. No. you were like you you got it you wanted it in a way you really you you realize you're like I have this disease I can totally identify it in my life where I was totally going on this path I introduced it in my life and everything went to hell in a handbag yeah Right? Yeah. And it's crazy how fast it happens. It's, it really took off. <laughs> it takes off. And people don't think that it can happen that fast, but it happens that fast. And especially when we're young people. And when we now know, like it take, when you're 25 is when your brain is fully developed as a boy, right? Yeah. And like think about what you did. Like putting all those substances in your head, of course, changed your whole way your brain was working, right? It changed the whole functioning of it. Yeah. And now here you are, and you're 14 months sober. Yeah. And you're living the dream, and you're gonna go back to school, or yeah. you're in school. Yeah, I start school and classes on Tuesday. I, I this is my second semester and back in school sober, um, just taking like a half time course load, and then hopefully can transfer out after after the semester. And you're working. Yeah. And you're doing life. Yeah. And you're participating in 12-step groups. Mm-hmm. And you're like, and you're talking to people and you're reaching out for help. And now tell us all what you're doing with this. You just came up with this brand <laughs> new idea a month ago and you've started it. So tell us about it. Um, so right now I started up a program called Adopted Voices. Um, it's a support group for young teens and uh, adult males who are adopted. Um, right now we're just doing males, but like, uh, like down the road I'm definitely trying to expand into into females and like do really grow this type of thing because um 
adoptions it's a tra- it's a traumatic event and it's not talked about a lot or seen about as a traumatic event um especially people who are adopted from birth like I was I was never told like that's something you should like go to therapy for and you need to like talk out and like put in work for so I can treat like help take care of myself um and I believe like a it's so tough with like adoptees like what came first the chicken or the egg with the alcoholism and um I know today like it doesn't matter but if there's someone who we can help even just feel a little bit more connected with who they are as a person and like family and like life around them um that's what this group aims to do and like so far I've heard good results from from people that have attended the group one one kid told his mom like mom like you don't understand me like the like the group does and like we even like moved the day of it around for him just so like we can accommodate and um I don't know that one little comment made it all worth it so far because I was getting like a little down on myself I was just like what do you mean there's not a room full of people in here now like on this group that I just started which like things don't work out that way it's all baby steps and like I don't know it's it's a really good way to give back for me and it's definitely something I want to start a, a career in in the future. And I think, like, everything's just kind of fallen into my lap. I've had tremendous help so far in doing it, too. Well, I'm really proud of you. And I haven't known you for very long. But I <laughs> see what you're doing. And you're trying to help people. Because I think identifying a niche, a special niche of people. Yeah. And um, I don't know if adopted people come from more of backgrounds of people that are addicts. But it makes sense. Right. And having that alcoholic gene, because it is all about like I, I, you know, sober, not ashamed is all about the shame that's out there in the world. And I want to get rid of the shame and get rid of the fact that, you know what, this is a disease. It's just like being born with blue eyes. You got the DNA of someone that obviously had the disease of addiction, right? And luckily, by the grace of God, you, your parents that, that you know, raised you, your mom and your dad, recognized that you had this, like, when they started watching you starting to fr- fail out of school and do all of these crazy things that you they didn't know you to do. They're like, oh my gosh, he needs help. I see this. I'm going to go get him help. And didn't just let you go fault, like just not do anything. Like instead of just ignoring you and saying, we're closing the door, we're done, we don't care, we're over it. They're like, oh my God, he needs help. We're going to take him to the best rehab we know. I know the rehab you went to is really expensive, but it's really good. It's got the best odds out there, which is amazing. And the fact that you got that gift, like that is crazy. Like how lucky you are to go there. And Karen, the Karen Foundation, I'm just yeah. going to mention it because I believe in Karen. I think it's one of the best rehabs that's in the country. I know it's expensive, but you get what you get what you pay for, right? Yeah, it was it was like great there. I, they had an adoption support group for me there, um, and I was able even able like one of my friends I'm still friends with today who was adopted from Colombia, small world. He, his parents worked with my family friend who I, my parents met in Chile. Like they use the same organization when they're adopting their son, so it was like really he knew like one of our family friends and like. The guy's like from Virginia and I'm from from PA and like I was just like oh you know these people and he's like yeah dude like I used to like play soccer with them like that's so it's so crazy such a small world but like um he told me like I helped him out a lot just through mentioning like talking about my adoption and how how for since like I was little like I, I just didn't there was something that was off and like I could never put a finger on it 
And now, like, because he's able to do that, he's able to start healing and, like, start growing more. And that was, like, one of those moments where I'm like, I think I can I can do something with this. There's a lot of people who whose voices aren't heard. And, like, there's not a lot of, like, information that goes out into it. Like, I, I was researching, like, how to go about starting something for this. And there's, like, there's all this training for the parents, but, like, there's no, like, support groups or anything for, like, the kids um, growing up. So, like, um, that's where the name comes from, Adopted Voices, is, like, people who have a little bit, like, myself, who I've done more work with myself, not to say, like, I'm some pro on adoption or anything, because I don't, I don't mean that at all, but, like, I've able, been able to pinpoint my feelings and, like, especially looking, reflecting on when I was younger and couldn't pinpoint them, like, now I can give someone else a voice that they can put to their, their emotions and take to a therapist or a, a specialist that they, they continue to see. Um, and I, I worked with this wonderful lady, um, Sherry Cowan. Um, she's the one that like oversees the group too. Um, she works at, at the Brightening Center, which is where it's located. And um, she's been such a help because she runs the parents group to help um, teach parents like how to how to help their adopted children um and like I wouldn't have been able to do this without her and like she like she gets it she has a son who like attends our group as well and and they both have been able to contribute so much um and so much insight because they both have like also put in like a lot of work um to to like help treat treat like their traumas that they've they've gone through themselves well I'm sure that it, it's like realizing for one, like what a gift, like your mom and like that you got, uh, that, yeah. that God had you go to your mom and dad. Like how lucky are you? Yeah. I mean, he was, before we went, we're taping, um, Christian was talking about his grandfather who's 96 years old. It's yeah. like so amazing. And you've had the most beautiful life, but you've also realized, okay, that there was something missing in my life and I, you didn't know what it was. Now you know what it is and you're f addressing it yeah. and you're helping other people. And look at what your alcoholism did for you. It's like so amazing when we look, when we can take a bird's eye view, I always like to say, like 10,000 feet, you raise 10,000 feet and you look and you look at your life and you say, oh my gosh, look at where God was working my life. Like the fact that you didn't die, the fact that you didn't get arrested really. I mean, the fact that you didn't go to jail, the fact that your parents realized and got you the, the best therapist. I mean, I know your therapist, yeah, he's yeah. absolutely <laughs> fabulous. I love him. And um, the fact that you're doing what you're doing today. I mean, you're so strong. I mean, you're a warrior. Thank you so much yeah. for everything you're doing for everybody out there. And thank you for spending time with us. I'd love to talk to you again, maybe this coming spring when I come back from Florida. but And see where you are at that point. Because at that point, you're, you know, your foundation will be six months old. I mean, see if you can get contributions. I mean, there's all different things you can do in the future. And please, thank you for coming on Busy Living Sober. Will you come back yeah, in the spring? Yeah, that'd be awesome. This is, like, so, so fun. I've listened, like, a bunch um, to your podcast. I drive a lot for work, so, like, I always make sure to throw it on there. And, like, um, being part of, like, the same program has been, been wonderful. I've really enjoyed it. Well, I'm loving it. I'm loving getting to know you. I love your passion. I love the fact that you're trying to help other people. You, Everybody listening, if you want to reach out, I'm going to put it in the, the, the little bio description of today's podcast. And so if you want to reach out to Christian, I'll have his email address and the information about his new group and everything. And maybe you can talk to people all over the country. Who knows? We'll have them all over and it'll all be started by Christian. <laughs> it's so amazing. Well, thanks so much. 
And everybody, until next week, keep getting busy living sober. Bye-bye.